Hey gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On this episode, I'm speaking with Andre Jabrowski, co-founder and CEO of ShopStory, a visual builder that sits inside your CMS that empowers designers and marketers to build new content visually without waiting for developers. We discuss the importance of visual content building, defining a new technology category that is a combination of custom and no-code solutions, solving problems for brands like Ace and Tate and Tekla, pivoting from an agency to a product, and a general discussion on headless and composable, including web platforms like Shopify, Commerce Tools, Centra, and a commerce layer are out. Before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by my good friends at OmniSend. You might have heard things like email marketing is expensive, has low ROI, or is too complicated. Now, what if I told you these are all myths? In reality, email marketing can be affordable, bring in a great return on investment, and is incredibly straightforward. Or at least, that's all true if you used OmniSend, the email marketing and SMS platform used by more than 100,000 e-commerce brands to attract, convert, and keep new customers. OmniSend is intuitive, packed with pre-built templates and automation workflows, and guess what? It's 40% cheaper than the leading e-commerce marketing platforms. Worried about ROI? In 2022, OmniSend's merchants enjoyed a staggering average return on investment of $72 per every dollar spent, which is double the industry average of $36. And if you ever need help, get your questions answered in under three minutes by an award-winning support team that's available 24-7 even during busy days like Black Friday and Christmas. So don't let Miss hold you back. Experience email marketing that really sells with OmniSend. Find out more at getomnisend.com slash your basket is empty and give your e-commerce brand the boost it deserves. Andre, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? Hey, hey team. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm good. And uh, I'm talking today from uh, Gdańsk. It's a city by the Baltic Sea in the northern part of Poland. Yeah, the weather is pretty rainy, unfortunately, but yeah, I think it's fine. I'm in London and it's about the same, mate. So anyway, we can uh, leave the weather <laughs> to one side for the moment. I want to get straight into it. So uh, I think a lot of this conversation will kind of circle around headless and composable and, and so forth. Yeah. But I'm curious to get a little bit of the backstory of like what led you to start Shop Story. So tell me a little bit about the origin story. When and where did it come about and how? Um, yeah, so basically like my story in like, you know, e-commerce and in general in like building websites and digital experiences is like probably 10 years long or even longer. Uh, I was the agency CTO for many, many years. Uh, the agency is now called Commerce UI and it's basically still running, although I'm not like operationally uh, active there anymore. Uh, but, you know, during my agency times, they just, you know... Uh, saw this big shift into e-commerce, like into headless e-commerce. And, uh, you know, you literally almost always must manage content somehow. And in, especially in like in headless space, you need to have a headless CMS. But what yeah. I noticed that uh, this, this, this content management is very, very non-visual and very, very developer centric. So basically mm -hmm. the kind of like, you know, the current state of affairs is that uh, most of the changes in your website must be done by developers or must go through the developers. And the idea behind ShopStory is to bring no code into these experiences. That makes total sense. And so 
if we take that as an example, so what problems does it solve? I get that like visual content is a good thing, but like talk us through, and you can give examples, which we'll talk about later of clients, mm-hmm. but like what, what, what problems does it solve for what people within brands? What is shop story doing on that front? Yeah. So imagine the e-commerce brand, any kind of brand, uh, let's say some, you know, like D2C and they want to go into headless, right? So they literally like pick e-commerce platform. Let's say that it's like Shopify. They mm-hmm. build decoupled front end, let's say like, you know, Next.js, Vue.js, Remix, Hydrogen, whatever technology there is, uh, you must pick the CMS. So you pick like Contentful, Sanity, Strapi, um, Prismic, Content Stack, Ampliance. There are like so many choices out there, right? But the process of building this experience looks like this. So, like in the first stage of building the website, designers design entire experience, you know, together with some example landing pages, with product page, etc. And what happens is that developers take a couple of content blocks that, you know, are built in, in, into these designs into headless CMS. And then the promise of these headless CMSs is that marketing team, designers, non-technical people can build new content in like landing pages, in product pages, in collection pages without developers. But the problem I saw is that uh, the amount of options you get there is very, very limited. And mm. each time this marketing team has kind of like new idea, it turns out that you must go to the developers anyway. So imagine that you have some, I don't know, section with some title, description, and, and two buttons. And imagine the, the, the simplest possible scenario when you want to add like two product cards next to each other, right? So this is like the most trivial use case you can imagine, right? And in order to achieve that, you must go to the developers. And for companies that hire agencies, it might you know, require some budgeting, it might require a lot of feedback loops, etc. For bigger companies, like you know, with 500 people, etc., in like enterprise, then these processes also can take a huge amount of time to even like get from the marketing team to these developers to actually do something. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a bit crazy. And that's why we created Shop Story to kind of you know, add this visual building capabilities uh, to the headless CMSs. So that these non-technical people can build, you know, like new blocks, uh, new landing pages without developers. But at the same time, the whole point is that you don't lose any advantages of custom code. So custom code stays there, but you can just, you know, add this no-code layer on top of that. So it's totally different from like Squarespace or Webflow where it's either everything is no-code or, you know, when you want custom code, then it's literally not possible. Yeah, interesting. Um, so yeah, cause it, it uh, I suppose you, you, you found an interesting intersection between the technical inability or maybe not just inexperience of a marketing team. Cause they're not supposed to be technical. They're supposed to be creative ultimately of and course, the creativity yeah. of them. Right. So, yeah. and I assume, you know, marketing teams have got a lot of ideas and so they want to execute quickly. So that's, I, I find that's an interesting space for generally technology to operate, right. Is how can you reduce the time? from idea to execution, which is exactly. kind of where you, get, where you guys are playing, which is interesting. But I'm curious then, so, so that gives us a little bit of an insight into like the, you know, the origin story of, of Shop Story. But like, w- what's been the most challenging aspect of building the product thus far? Like, you guys are relatively new. Like, yeah. w- what have been the big milestones or what has been the bigger challenges, you know, um, early on into your development? 
Yeah, it's a it's a big question. Probably like if you ask this question to any kind of you know like startup founder, <laughs> the, the amount of challenges is literally infinite. Uh, but one thing that I would say, like it, this is only like relates to our case, right? But the thing that is this probably like you know most challenging for me at least right now is that we are building the tool that changes. It's a new category. It totally changes the way you think about content management in general. Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning as a startup founder, I thought that it works like, you know, we have this super new innovative solution and everyone will, you know, like, you know, jump on board very quickly, etc. Yeah. But it turns out that when the new category is kind of created, then people are a bit afraid. And for example, like developers are a bit afraid of a visual and local builder because they always think that it's like giving too much control for like marketing teams. So there is a risk and really like kind of tearing down this wall is pretty challenging, but yeah, we are doing what we can to kind of, you know, uh, to go forward with this. Yeah, well, I think, you know, a, a good example of you guys tearing down the wall is some of the case studies, right? I mean, you've got some pretty fucking sick brands on the roster, like Ace and Tate <laughs> and Tecla. I mean, maybe not everyone thinks they're sick. I do. I love their stuff. Uh, I wish the Tecla products were slightly uh, more economical. But anyway, that's a conversation for another time. But yeah, I mean, it, it, just tell me about like working with those guys. How, how, how did you, you know, what was the engagement like with them? Did you go to them? Did they come to you and kind of like, tell us a little bit more about like working with them and what you've been doing. Yeah, I mean, Ace and Tate is a pretty uh, amazing story for us because actually, you know, we started working together something like, I don't know, more than a year ago. And literally the product wasn't mature then. And it's like almost 100 you know, million dollars GMV brand, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a huge brand. And it was literally a cold email from us. And they yeah, just right. responded. And within a week, we had a contract signed for a pilot program and started working together. Uh, I mean, the challenge they had is always the same. So they have in-house development team and their marketing team wanted to add content literally everywhere. And, and I see this, especially in this kind of like, you know, design aware brands. It's not only about landing pages. It's about, you know, content. It's about, it's also like custom collection pages or custom product pages. I mean, storytelling in these product pages, it really, really matters, right? You, you, you have to have a place where you can tell these stories, right? Like social media, it comes and goes, right? But your website is your temple, right? And it stays there. And, you know, each time they wanted to tell some story, they needed to go to their, like, you know, in-house development team. And, you know, hiring developers is hard. And their developers have enough on their plate already. So it's kind of like, you know, marketing team was a bit frustrated because they need to, with, with each request, wait for the development. And developers were also frustrated because they have like performance integrations, all all the serious stuff that needs to happen. And, you know, when they adopted uh, adopted shop story, at least from the content perspective, it all ended. Like I I checked this, I don't know, like seven months ago, something like that. So uh, they built 31 landing pages in, in contentful out of which 30 were built with shop story. Wow. And they also extended probably something like 20 collection pages with some, you know, additional content pieces here and there. So basically like, uh, they got the visual builder and they literally don't use traditional content management anymore. That's crazy. So I, I want to uh, go back slightly, um, and talk about the agency because it's a very common 
to some degree, potentially romanticized growth idea for a professional services company is to find a product and create a product, right? Because I think yeah, running an agency is fucking hard. Like you know, professional services yeah. is really running, hard, right? Running, like, running every business is fucking hard. I guess. Professional services can be you know particularly difficult because you're dealing with so many people and yeah you know technology maybe is slightly simpler maybe i don't know um but you know it's it's a common thing that agencies want to you know find problems that many of their clients are having and then they they build something you know you know on the side but i'm curious like what's your perspective been Going from agency to product, like, has it been a great advantage? Because obviously, you're at the coalface of the problems that the clients were having, and you 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 could solve it and you could see it. Uh, have there been any disadvantages though, because you know the problems so intently? And I'm curious if like a bit of naivety in some of these situations can help because you don't know what you don't know. Tell me about it. I would say that there are more advantages than disadvantages, definitely. Uh, obviously, like, you know, it, it's like we had an agency and we literally solved a problem we had, right? So, 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 so we know the problem from like inside out, like, like, like literally we know everything, like how e-commerce is built today. Uh, so, so, so this is one thing, but as for this kind of transition, um, yeah, running agency, as you mentioned, is hard, especially because there is so much, um, you know, like uh, a lot of this kind of talking to clients, budgeting, you know, counting hours, billable hours, mm. etc. Mm. All this stuff. It's and it, it's really all about operational efficiency. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't scale. You still yeah. need these people. You still yeah. need to talk to these customers all the time, etc. And it's just hard. You must like that, right? But with yeah. product, when it kind of, you know, like takes off, it kind of scales automatically, exponentially. It, it just, you cannot do this with, with agency. So this is probably why so many agency founders try to build products. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of natural consequence uh, of that. Yeah, I think though, it's an interesting point you make about the operational efficiency, given like you guys... F- founding and then trying to grow a product in 2023 because the kind of you know growth model of the last few years of you know dump vc money onto something and then just just go for it is maybe not as uh, common so maybe there's quite an advantage in you guys being operationally efficient from your agency days and applying some of that thinking to a product which Hopefully, your Series A investors will will be very appreciative of. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I want to take a, a step back though and um, look at the kind of like headless and composable space a bit more broadly. I, I'm my general take is I'm still a bit not confused, but I feel the conversation may be a bit confusing. Right? It, it depends on who you talk to, and. I'm curious from your perspective, because you, you guys got a unique vantage point in that you're you're kind of in there, but you're also sort of maybe to the side slightly as well, right? And what w- what are you kind of thinking like about the general headless space? Like, what growth do you predict? Do you worry that it's always going to be a bit too niche? Yeah, how are you guys kind of looking at it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like. <laughs> It is a common topic today, and I probably like like, like heard all the possible variations of to, to, to this to, to this question. Um, but I'm a technical person. I'm a developer, and I've been like writing code. I even like recently kind of checked, so it's almost like twenty years. Almost yep. twenty years ago, I wrote like a, my first line of code, so it's a long time. And headless. 
slash composable, in my opinion, is going to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's only because it's simply way, way better technology architecture than traditional one, monolith one. Mm-hmm. But how it's going to play out like in the market, like it's a different story, right? So basically I know that this architecture like technologically is going to win, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all these kind of, you know, headless companies will win Mm, because, you know, we might, because today it's kind of like you have monoliths, right? Versus these kind of Mac-like, you know, uh, like best of breed companies, etc. And it's like the bottom line is that I think that kind of these two worlds will diverge. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. basically like the, the advantage of Monolith is that from day one, everything works, right? Mm-hmm. But then as your business scale and you have more and more custom needs, etc., it simply like becomes super hard to extend. You cannot just, you know, uh, remove one part and extend it with another. This is just, it is so bad. Literally, Mm -hmm. it it hurts businesses, right? But on the other hand, when you have this like, you know, headless companies, et cetera, from day one, you have nothing and you must integrate them together. And, you know, with this flexibility comes like the problem that it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to find a proper agency that can do this right, etc. But my point is that when you find the right technology partner to get this right, composable slash headless is way better than monolith, basically. And, and I think that simply as a developer, I just kind of feel that the better architecture will win, basically, because they kind of still see these advantages of these kind of like, you know, monoliths, et cetera. It just works, et cetera, right? But if you look at developers, you will notice that the best of the best, the best CTOs, the best developers out there, they don't want to work with monoliths. Mm. So basically mm. it goes top down, but still like, you know, as every early stage technology, you know, it, it's not yet mature. So many companies are intimidated by this, like, you know, initial stage of configuring everything. And a lot of stuff can really like go bad in this stage. And then they kind of feel like, you know, like headless is bad, etc. But I think that we are still very early with headless and we'll, you know, be solving one problem after another, after another, after another. And at some point, everything will be headless, right? Basically. Yeah, I think that you're right with that prediction. I think the, the the challenge probably at the moment is that intellectual debate between technologists and business people, right? And I think exactly you, you make a, you make a good point there. Like, and I think you know you're a tech, technological purist, and so I, I get your perspective. I think coming at it more from the business perspective, I see that maybe headless as a brand or composable as a brand has got a few chinks in its armor. I think that's maybe what's hindering it slightly from being as widely of as possible. Of course. I mean, is, it's, right? it's, it's very early. Like, it, like, like if you look at history of any kind of technological advance, like early technologies always have a lot of like disadvantages, right? <laughs> but, you know, from the very fundamental view, it's just better and it's going to win. I can give you a very good example, actually, because this is the example from the playground that we are working in. So, so CMS is in content management, right? So I've seen many companies that come to me 
and they f say, for example, I hate Contentful. I, I hate content management in Contentful. I would prefer to be on online store 2.0 in, in, mm -hmm. in Shopify, right? <laughs> and I'm the, uh, and I'm like, uh, give me the access. I will check it out, right? And I'm just looking how how this uh, how how their you know content management is configured, etc. What usually happens is that Contentful is perfectly fine. It's just the way it is implemented is mm. bad. So it's not a problem with Contentful per se. The problem is that Contentful is and and, and literally every headless CMS is just so flexible that you must know how to configure it properly. And if you configure it properly, it will be 10 times better than online store, store 2.0, especially if you have growing brand with growing needs, etc. right? But if you do it bad, then people really like blame the solutions, but it's very frequently not a problem. It's, it's not like the vendor that is a problem. It's the implementation that is a problem. Mm -hmm. And I see literally, I've heard this so many times, right? So, so, and it's probably the same with, you know, other parts of this kind of, you know, e-commerce stack. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really interesting point. I mean, it, it, I suppose it probably plays into the idea, which was something else I was going to talk about, but I think we'll, we'll switch gears and, and, and move on. But there has been a bit of a movement of brands who had gone headless now going back to a more like core-like stack. And it's probably, you know, I would say there's a proportion of them that were I don't think there, there has been some criticism that agencies have led people down a path when they shouldn't have. I, I don't think people are that duplicitous and evil or whatever. Like I, I think they they either I don't think people are pushing brands down a path that they shouldn't be on for their own gain because ultimately it's going to fuck them up, right? Like if you push yeah. a brand down a headless thing and they're like, "This is terrible. This is a terrible business decision." I think the likelihood they're going to go back to that same agency and say, "Hey, can you bring us back onto Shopify Core or wherever it is that we were?" They're going to go to another agency, so it's not a I good mean, business move. Yeah, I recently heard about, like, I recently talked to the CTO of a brand that they, you know, that, that they were on like Liquid. They switched to Headless, then then they switched to Liquid again, and now they're thinking about switching to to Headless again. And this is something <laughs> that I haven't heard before. Like, like the whole space is is it's a very interesting conversation. I love the live conversation, and it feels like there's a lot of room for interesting debate i suppose just to sort of round it out i'm curious you, you touched on some of the platforms there but you guys as shop story i mean again you sit slightly laterally you're more in the the, the cms world than the ecom platform world but yeah. you're in there somewhere are there any you know what's your general take on shopify commerce tools some of the newer sort of entrants like a, a centra or you know commerce layer like do, do you think what do you think about that general pool? Is there enough pie to go around or do you think it's going to be the kind of bigger ones that are going to dominate? Yeah, I think this is a very interesting conversation. Like, uh, I'm very bullish on Shopify. Like, uh, there is literally... I, I can't even imagine that something will go bad for them. And the, the, the speed with which they operate, and when I hear the, like, you know, executives, etc., this is something that I admire and I think that many companies should learn from them, basically. So I think that Shopify is so good at its scale that it's very, very hard for other players to kind of, you know, to target this market. However, you mentioned a couple of interesting brands here. 
Commerce tools obviously is super, super enterprise product, right? And the customizability there is, is huge. I think there is always a place for that. And I think that they've been around for many, many years and they're doing pretty okay. So I, I think that that's pretty obvious. The question is if Shopify can kind of, you know, get to these customers, they're trying right now, but it's like, you know, we'll see where it goes. And Centra is also an interesting example, right? Because what Centra is really doing is like Shopify is general purpose, right? And, mm-hmm. and Centra is really picking a, a, a single vertical. They just, you know, they're very, you know, like fashion, fashion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, specific, etc. And they really try to solve the fashion problems so well that it's, it's going to be enough to kind of, you know, give up on Shopify. But we must remember that e-commerce platforms are truly platforms. So it means that there are billions of lines of code written specifically for Shopify. And they just, you know, they're right there for you in the app store, right? Mm-hmm. So if you start a new product on this market, you don't have that. So you must really have the features that are like 10 times better so that people can really give up on Shopify on its ecosystem to get into these features. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested, like how, you know, Centra will be progressing because you know, going directly to fashion is pretty interesting way of, you know, kind of differentiating. And, and from what I remember, like the, 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 the percentage of uh, fashion chunk in general, in general, in e-commerce is some huge number, something around like 30 or 30%. It's huge. Yeah, I think that their play is an interesting one. They've also done quite well in that they've not just got a vertical, but they've got a market sort of somewhat wrapped up, right? So the Nordics, they're incredibly strong there. Exactly. That's that's an interesting play to be, I think, when you're taking on platforms is you're not just vertically specific, you're geographically quite strong. But but they're probably competing against like Shopify Plus. Yeah, I think that conversation is sort of back down into, you know, you make, you, you make a really interesting observation. So there's a high percentage of fashion brands globally. That's a big market for them. But how many of them are right for headless? The percentage is going to drop right, right down, right? And I think the challenge they've got is the brand that's kind of right for them, but there's enough pull back into a Shopify core of like... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always like that. that, that There is a huge company, you know, and, you know, like Shopify is so big that that they can't really right now focus on like e-commerce specific features, right? So there will be a new companies that try to, you know, uh, take the niches out of Shopify market. This is just, yeah. this is just the common pattern in technology, you know, like in, in general, but still like the strength of Shopify and especially I'm talking about like the strength of the platform, all the integrations, etc., is absolutely unprecedented. And, 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 and I don't really see any company soon getting this kind of, you know, like adoption in terms of like, you know, ecosystem size of all the integrations, etc. You know, there is a reason why Windows Phone and Microsoft couldn't get into like mobile operating systems, right? There is only iOS and Android. They just yeah. they just were too light, and they just didn't yeah. have you know like the the, the integrations, apps, etc. And we are talking about Microsoft, right? They have like literally infinite budget for that. And they lost because they were just too light. And now you know Shopify is already around the corner for so many years. There are so many integrations right there, and each new player doesn't have that. And you must remember about that. Like whenever company picks other e-commerce brand, they give up on all this ecosystem, and it's like 
you know, it's hard to fight with Shopify, I think, at that yeah, point. Yeah, they're a beast. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, it's been fascinating to watch the uh, sort of like journey. I'm curious then just to sort of move on to kind of like where you're going next. And maybe I'm, I'm curious, like, what's been the growth plan for Shop Story thus far and kind of what what's the growth plan going forward? I know you guys do, you, you know, you're a, you're a, a developer first, well, uh, an agency first tool, right? Like a lot of your inroads into brands will be through yeah. agency. So agency yeah. growth strategy. And then you guys do a thing called the headless cup, which I think is an interesting concept, right? Like maybe just talk us through a little bit of those growth strategies that, are, that you're um, uh, embarking on. Yeah, our growth strategy currently is mainly through partnerships, basically. Mm -hmm. So there are actually two natural directions for us. One is partnerships with the CMSs. So basically, obviously, we don't compete with CMSs. And this is also a very important point. Is that, you know, you could imagine ShopStory being a CMS, right? With a visual building capabilities. But mm -hmm. what would happen would that we would have very, very bad CMS that is so much worse than these solutions that were in development for many, many years, right? Mm -hmm. And people maybe would like visual building, but wouldn't like us for other reasons. And, you know, it just wouldn't work. So we kind of think that CMSs in general are a good platform because they're opening up. So we are partnering with them and we don't really want to be a CMS. We want to stay focused on like visual building and make it, you know, as good as, 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 as it can be made. And yeah, as you mentioned, like the second channel is, is agency. So, you know, we run our own agency. We know how it works. We know the problems of the agencies. And let's be honest, like most of the brands, like their websites are built by agencies. Literally, there are not many companies that are built like not by agencies. And even if they have their own developers, it's at bigger scale, right? It's not like at, at, at lower scale, etc. So like not partnering with, with agencies would be simply stupid for us because, you know, like at the end of the day, we must talk to them anyway. And to round it out, final question, where is Shop Story in three years? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a good one. You know, like you're asking uh, a startup, early stage startup, where it's going to be in three years. It's probably hard to answer. <laughs> three months, maybe. Is that an easy, yeah, yeah. Is that an easy no, question? Maybe not that. But I can tell you, like, I can tell you, I, I, like, even like Shop Story aside, I can tell you what I'm betting on uh, yeah. as where the market yeah, yeah, will yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. So do. today, when you build the e commerce, like headless or even like not headless, it, it doesn't really matter. Is that you give this marketing team very limited option of how it this e-commerce can really look like without developers involvement, right? So it's pretty static. And for me, when I look in the future, maybe three years, maybe five, maybe eight, I don't know. It's crazy to assume that marketing team in like five years won't be able to add two product cards in a simple banner section, uh, you know, without developers. Like, mm -hmm. like the way we work today is simply, is simply suboptimal. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I'm absolutely sure about that we're going to adopt more and more no code into custom coded solution. We are going to get into hybrid. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of hybrid environment. So it's not going to be fully no code like Webflow or, or Squarespace. It's not going to be fully code 
like today, even with CMS, it's going to be a um, hybrid, a mix of both. And, you know, whatever it's suitable, like, you know, the brands will be able and developers will be kind of able to adjust what's better in this or that, you know, particular use case. But, but this is the future that I'm very sure that, uh, that is going to happen. We want to be a leader of that future, basically. <laughs> I think that's a very wise prediction. And I, as I say to many guests, I'll get you on in three years' time and we can review the prediction. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I'd be happy to. <laughs> that's a good place to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. If you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all of your mates to do the same. I'll see you next time.